Welcome to the Dental Amigos Podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here with you, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos, where we say the only podcast co-hosted by a dentist and a lawyer. Yeah, my grandmother's right. I am special. <laughs> as far as we're all concerned, and your grandmother's concerned, Paul. <laughs> yes. Right? And, a, and a few select others might feel that way as well. Uh, so uh, today, we're joined by Dr. Brett Gilbert who is a full-time private endodontic practice in Niles, Illinois. Paul, he is our first specialist on the dental amigos. Groundbreaking stuff here. Yeah, I'm actually almost a little embarrassed that that was the case. Yeah, we got more specialists. Yeah, we got a specialist. Who was the other specialist? I went back and scrolled through, like, none. So this is the first. He's our first one. So yeah, we, we're we're uh, accepting requests for uh, for guests. So if there are any specialists out there that want to want to get on the show, uh, you know, take a crack, and uh, you know there'll be a, a drawing. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, after I like it. <laughs> to decide who's on. Um, uh, so Brett uh, graduated from the University of Maryland Dental School in 2001, and he went on to complete his postgraduate training in endodontics from the University of Maryland, also in uh, 2003. Uh, he's currently an assistant professor in the Department of Endodontics at the University of Illinois Chicago College of Dentistry, and he's on staff at President's Resurrection Medical Center in Chicago. He's a past president of the Illinois Association of Endodontics, and uh, he is board certified, a diplomat of the American Board of Endodontics. He was named a top 10 young dental educator in America by the Seattle Study Club in 2017. And uh, Brett lectures nationally and internationally and uh, has a, a really cool web platform that's coming out that's uh, awesome. soon, too. Uh, and he talks about clinical endodontics and some other sort of wellness and mindfulness and mindset things uh, as well that we're going to talk about on the show today. So now, without further ado, here's Dr. Brett Gilbert. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Wow, guys! Thanks for the thanks for having me, and I'm just honored that I'm the first specialist uh, on the uh, to be an amigo. I, I'm very, very honored and really excited to be with you guys, and really appreciate the show that you guys put out, and um, you know, happy to contribute. Well, you, you earned it. You went to Amigo school longer than the other Amigos, so you know that's why you are you are special there. Uh, and, and, and the Amigo T-shirt is in the mail. Yeah, yeah, we also we'll send that uh, branded specialist. So, I mean. Uh, we start off here with hard-hitting questions. You know, uh, one of my favorite things is, is nachos from Dental Nachos. And let's say we're in Chicago. I have a question. You know, where would we go for nachos? And uh, what is your favorite topping? Well, there's a, a little place, a little, you know, one of those local gems up here. I live in Highland Park. Uh, it's called uh, Tamales. And I personally, if I can get short rib on my nachos, it's a very, very good day. Nice, yeah, yeah. That's a popular topping. I, li- I like that. We've had some other guests uh, go Should to choose that. Yeah, yeah, that is popular. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, it, shifting gears yeah. uh, from uh, from nachos, uh, Brett, tell uh, tell our listeners what uh, what you do to uh, to take care of yourself and keep yourself functioning uh, to continue to do what you do professionally. Well, I think it's it's a great point because I've had a big shift in my career and life over the past year where I was really suffering a bit from, from a lot of pain. And as we all know, the dental profession is wonderful on many fronts, but it is a very physical job. And I found that I was really suffering with a lot of shoulder pain, my left shoulder, a lot of lower back pain. And so I'm in a position now where, you know, 16 years into my career, I have to figure out how I can make this body continue on. And I have this really amazing and intelligent wife who's been telling me for about five years that I should be doing yoga. But of course, you know, I didn't listen. Uh, but the last year, um, amongst many other lessons I've been learning in the, the area of personal growth and development, I think incorporating yoga into my mornings has been the most impactful. And so yoga along with meditation 
has really been a game changer for me. So I think that um, I'm right now working with a, a, a colleague out here whose his name is Dr. Christian Pavel, and on Instagram they go by the Dental Yogis, and uh, they are um, fiance, um, you know, soon to be husband and wife, and they're really pioneering a movement trying to show dentists that this is something that really goes well, sort of the yin and yang of your work at the chair. And so uh, to answer your question, uh, yoga has been an amazing and incredible part of my routine and truly has rejuvenated my body. That's, that's great. But I have two questions. Uh, one, the dental yogis, are, are they the ones who post the pictures in those like amazing uh, poses on dental chairs? I've, I've seen, I think I've seen some of those. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, that's yes, pretty remarkable. Uh, second, uh, this always seems to happen, I think, because Rob brings his people on. I'm going to ask this question, and I think I know the answer. What time do you get up in the morning for all of this? Yeah, so I get up at 5 a.m., and um, yeah, you know, it was it was something that would never have happened before, but they call it the 5 a.m. club, and you're supposed to have enough time to accomplish whatever you need, have time for reflection, for your exercise, for meditation. A lot of people use the time for journaling, um, but really, really be able to... Um, really be able to incorporate all the things you need to do so that when you do start your day, you've really already taken care of yourself. And so when you listen to, and, and my, what I've strived to do over the last year is say, you know, there's a lot of successful people out there. And amazingly, they're all looking to share how they became so successful. And almost un, unequivocally, all of them will tell you that they have an incredibly dedicated morning routine. And so I get up at five, I do some cardio, I do my yoga, I meditate, um, I take a shower, I always end it with an ice cold shower. Actually, before I even get out of bed, I do, I don't know if you guys are Brett's doing it all, man. He's doing right, all, you, all you the right things. You and Mark Costas, yeah. when you come here, he, he does the ice cold shower. I, I want to say- I want to ask, I want to hear oh, yeah. more about this, but I, mean, I have to tell everybody, but at some point we'll have video that will go along with our yeah. podcast and nobody could see when Paul heard that- We've, we have another 5 a.m. guest. He just threw up his hands and yeah, leaned back in his chair. I, I, I'm not going to take credit for this joke because I saw it on Twitter, but why is why don't you get any, why is no one applauding when you stay up really late at night? Why are those people not, you know, what if you stay up till 1 a.m.? You get up at 7 a.m. People think it's a problem. So They're rock stars too yeah, in the world, Paul. Yeah, yeah you know? right. Yeah, so. Uh, so it's a, a little problem, more on the, on the if you don't get up, if you don't go to bed by nine or ten, then you crush yourself getting up at five. So it's uh, it's a, again a yin and a yang to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I we're we're very similar in this regard. So tell us, so, so the morning routine, uh, you'll do some cardio, um, uh, do yoga, uh, and uh, meditate as well. What uh, what do you do with meditation? Do you use an app, uh, Brett, or uh, do you just have your own kind of program that you follow? Yeah, no, I do. I use uh, what's called Insight Timer. I think using a timer is very, very important. Um, I think if you're starting, guided meditations are very helpful too. But I think in order to really allow yourself into the into the, the zone of meditation, you have to know that when you only have 10 minutes, that in 10 minutes you're going to be finished and not be worrying about the time as opposed to the meditation. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions about meditation and a lot of people are reluctant to try it. And I think in all honesty, meditation is a little bit different for every person. But the reality is, is that with breathing technique and just giving yourself a chance to reset the body, it's to me, it's like, I always say, it's like pushing buttons in your brain that you didn't know were there, but they're meant to be pushed. And it really balances you. It really allows you to really uh, feel more focused. But I find it allows you to really cope with stressful situations better because you almost default back into this sort of meditative breathing state. So they say it takes six to eight weeks of consistent meditation to really get into the, the flow of it. And I had dabbled with it for the last 10 years but never committed to it. Uh, but I think for dentists, especially with the energies that we absorb from patients and from our staff and the stress of the work and the stress of running the business, that it's a really important inclusion into your lifestyle habits. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really, uh, it's a great point. And, I, and it's good too, I think, that if people haven't tried it and are considering it, your, uh, your advice is good that it's not like, hey, I meditated for the first time today. And I'm like, what happened? Like, I don't yeah. feel any different. <laughs> like, well, yeah. it, doesn't really, it doesn't really work that way. And, and you know, it is, it is a process. I think also I find that if you uh, 
when you meditate or you have uh, meditate on a, on a somewhat regular basis and, and it's, you know, you've, it's part of your, your routine and you have a meditation practice that when you have times of stress throughout the day, it's you, you have the ability to kind of tap back into that. And even if it's only, you know, 15 or 30 seconds, uh, your brain is kind of trained, as you said, there are places and that you didn't realize really existed. You're able to kind of go to that place and, and kind of calm yourself and, and, and ground a little bit, uh, to, and then I think it helps you with dealing with, with a stressful situation. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, what it really is about is being present. And that's something that we really fail on as humans, the way that we've been raised up and the way that our culture is, but we're so focused on what's happened in the past. We're so worried and anxious about what's going to happen in the future that we miss the present moment. And what meditation is really about is giving you, even if you really only get there for 10 seconds out of your 10 minutes, that being present just for those 10 seconds, that's where the magic is. And so I really try to focus on presence and mindfulness, you know, as Paul was saying, and um, that's really what it's about. And it's a practice. You have to really work at it. But I think the benefits to your relationships, to your, first of all, your relationship to yourself, but your relationships with other people, your family, and how that translates into the vibration you give off in the office. I think it's a tremendous practice builder when dentists start really getting into the zone with meditation because they, they, they have such a different presence at the chair. It's true. I, I, mean, I totally agree with you. And yeah. even though I'm a sloth that gets up at 7 a.m., maybe I could uh, contribute to this conversation. <laughs> I'm not sure. Total sloth. I'll, a shot out of a cannon with a one and a five-year-old. That's early for and, a rock and today star, was though, just Paul. like Yeah, today was just like a four minutes on how my daughter and wife were battling over the outfit. I mean, that was just... That, is that meditation? I'm not sure. If that is, I'm really, really centered. At three point, you see two women arguing about outfits uh, at 7 a.m. It, it, it doesn't get any better, uh, Paul. Okay. But uh, I actually did an online C course last night or live stream on my group. And I, I use it. I actually, you know, some of our listeners, they say, okay, I want to be centered and all this stuff. That sounds good. But how could I apply it to my dental career? And I have a thing with my team because I have multiple associates about just make the best decision in the moment based on the information you have at hand. Because I think dental school trains us in the opposite way that things are always going to go right and things are going to happen well. And then in the real world of dentisting, things are going, I call it off script all the time. And I think dentists create a tremendous amount of personal stress uh, Brett, I'll use a general dentist example, and I just coached them on this. Like, they told a patient they're going to do three fillings, but the first filling went, got so big, now they don't have time for the other two. What do they do, right? And, you know, they can't get themselves into that moment where they say, what's the best decision at this moment? Do they rush to the other two? Do they disappoint the patient? I try to train them to set expectations that we weren't even going to do three fillings, but I really do, do think it's awesome that you're introducing this concept to dentists because I think it will you know, trickle down or trickle over into their clinical practice as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've noticed it myself, you know, in my own practice, when you're stressed and you're strained, you really try to hide it, but you don't realize that people can see through, you know, there's, we all have blind spots and you don't see them, but other people do and they pick up on it. And I think, you know, look, I think dentistry has got to be just one of the toughest jobs. I mean, from a mental, physical emotional standpoint, what, what we deal with in a single day. And then on top of it, have people, you know, have what we do for them be one of their biggest fears. It's really tough. And, and we all have our own personal and family pressures. So being a dentist, is, it's, it's not a fairy tale. And I think we have to be realistic about how we can manage ourselves to prolong our career so we can go long and strong and, you know, be able to provide for our families and have enjoyment out of it. Uh, but it is it is a it's a long game, and I think yoga and meditation really help the dentist progress through the different stages of their career. Hey, one quick thing too for our listeners, you know, who are sort of listening, thinking like, eh, how, how am I going to pull that off? You know, but uh, yoga, do you do it at home or do you go to a studio? Yeah, so that's the best part about my message about yoga is that I I really just went on to YouTube and did typed in yoga for beginners, and I just started off of YouTube and. I wound up finding some different yoga teachers on YouTube that resonated with me. There are many of them, uh, but I do it in my basement, and it's amazing. I've only been to really three formal classes, 
Um, and that's something that I've shared uh, on my new website is my experience with Dr. Christian Pavel, who if I could plug a, a future guest for you guys, <laughs> he's phenomenal. Great friend, but a phenomenal uh, example of dentist slash yogi. Uh, he's a true yogi. Um, but the reality is I really have had no formal training other than a little bit of work with Christian. This is all on my own. And one of the biggest messages that we try to put out is, it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about what it looks like. Just focus on how you feel because it's incredible how you feel after you do yoga. I mean, it truly does feel what I would just call right. It just feels right. And so, um, yeah, so I, I did it myself. I mean, obviously you could go to classes, but with my rigorous schedule, I get up really early in the morning to accomplish all of the me time that I'm going to get. And so I do it right in my basement, right off of YouTube. It's perfect. Yeah. And I, I similar experiences and that's what I figured you were going to say. And I think for everybody that's listening, you know, it's worth taking a shot at and you don't have to go you know, join a, a yoga studio. You don't have to go to a special meditation place. These are all things that you can do in really a, a four, you know, a four foot by four foot area, you know, in your, in your living room, in your basement. And, uh, it's a, it's a great way to start the day. And as you said, you know, it, it, dentistry is mentally and physically a very uh, challenging profession. And, you know, if you're going to stay in the game, you know, like like uh, Darren Sproles, right? Yes, Our exactly. Eagles uh, running back. I forget how old he is. He's very old and still is able to perform. You know, you have to you have to take care of yourself. And um, you've also given me a good tip because I work in an office, which is a converted house from years ago and it has like a sewing room, which is our office manager's office. So when she leaves, I go in there and I'm. I do that thing. I don't know what you call it. Uh, hiding from everybody. And uh, now I'm just going to tell them when they're calling. I'm meditating. I'm meditating in this room. So, you know, sometimes I hear my name and they're just calling it. I'm like, they're going to stop if it's not important. And they do. It's great. I know so what a mom feels like. Somebody's going to open the door and there's Paul doing a, a yeah. headstand I'm, in the I'm corner. Med I'm meditating. It's like your patient's here. Tell him to wait. He's cracked. He's cracked. Yeah, right. Hey, so this, well, this is... I this is good stuff, Brett. Thank you. Thanks for uh, going. So shifting gears, uh, well, a little bit, a lot. Um, let's chat about your practice. How long have uh, have you had your practice, and how did you get into it? Did you do a startup? Was it an acquisition? So I'm originally from Baltimore. You know, you saw the University of Maryland pedigree, and um, I had really for the longest time I just felt very drawn to Chicago. I had an older sister that had lived here for a number of years and I would come visit. So I was pretty well just completely focused on getting myself to Chicago. Um, I applied to residency here, but I also got into Maryland and I really stayed the course with all my education at University of Maryland, which was wonderful. And I cherished that time. Uh, but then literally the day I graduated from residency, I packed my car and I drove to Chicago. Um, I originally joined as an associate in one practice. And not knowing the area as well, when I finally met my fiance, which was about seven months after I moved here, um, I relocated to a different practice that would be closer to where we saw our future. So I joined a really great endodontist named Kevin King. He had a smaller practice. He immediately said, you know, I'm willing to build a new office down the road. I'm just looking for the right person. So in 2005, I joined Dr. King. And within a couple of years, we had built a new office together, just maybe a mile up the road. And that's where I've been now since 2008. So I've been in practice for 16 years. Uh, Kevin retired five years ago. And so I took the practice over. Um, I've been a sole owner since 2008. I've had a couple of part-time associates. I now finally found a wonderful full-time associate who's been with me since the summer. And so this has given me a lot more time to work on these other projects that I'm so passionate about. So um, yeah, full-time private practice. Uh, enjoy the practice. It's, it's wonderful to be able to serve people in this way, be able to be a resource for my, for my dentist. I've got some amazing loyal colleagues and referrals and uh, always looking to grow, of course, especially now with a new associate, uh, but really feel very grateful for the position I'm in and the fact that I've been able to establish, you know, a, a reputable practice here in, in Chicago. That's awesome. And with endodontists, I know you guys, Rob is aware because he, you know, he's, he's not a, a dentist, but he wishes he could be one. One day we're going to figure out how he can do, how he could do a filling. But, you know, uh, in the associate world, trying to, you know, connect with other specialists, there aren't that many of you guys out there. So it's, it's so key. And I just think it's an important point. I mean, it's, I have 
um, like six or seven dentists working with us, not all full time. And I, I love that, but it's really challenging to do because dental school does not really uh, engender a lot of camaraderie. They said they set up the dental, dental student hunger games, which engenders a lot of um, competition. But I think it's great that, you know, just having other dentists in your practice has given you this opportunity to do some other interesting things. Yeah, it's been amazing because for a long time I was carrying a load that probably was was really more than one person should carry. And I did it proudly and I did it as well as I could. But that's really where, you know, come a year ago, I was really, you know, I always, I, I you, uh, you'll laugh, but I, I talk about this on Instagram a lot. where That's where my biggest presence is. But um, I did some sort of, you know, really like I, I let myself really share with my experience. And a year ago I was Googling, what are the symptoms of burnout? And I thought to myself as I was typing it, if you have to Google that, you're <laughs> yeah. probably burnt out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I, true. I think what you're saying is such a valuable point to our listeners and and uh, and people who aren't dentists is that you know we've used a lot of sports uh, comparisons. Greg Popovich sits his players during some of the regular season games so they're available for the postseason. And sometimes he gets a lot of grief for that. But Tim Duncan played until he was 40, and dentists were never taught. To when do we sit ourselves? Can we sit ourselves? You know, there's this weird bravado of, you know, I'm producing $2 million a year by myself doing one of these, you know, dentisting, whether you're an endodontist, general dentist, is that healthy for anybody? And how long can you sustain it? So I just think it's such a important question for dentists to understand themselves as they go through their dentisting life, life circle, as I talk about. Because, you know, uh, I'll just bring it, you guys back to this. If we're all here in Philly at a CE course, and I'm like, hey, Rob and Brett, do you guys want to go out tonight? and have some fun you're like yeah as long as it ends by 10 p.m right because you probably don't have your stay up until 1 a.m type of uh of um energy anymore and i just think we need to apply that to our dental career so we can like you just said to start with brett make it for 30 years practicing it's not a sprint right? yeah right yeah and and aside from the physical you know and we were talking a little bit about mindset uh, before we aired um you know i think that in general our culture but definitely in dentistry i mean we're very much of what's called a scarcity mindset you know it's like you're like desperately feel like if you don't go into work that day or that week that you're going to lose everything and you're not going to have any income. And that's really in contrast to what they call an abundant mindset, which would be what you're talking about. You know, like, hey, you know what? I could use a week off. And if I take that week off, there's going to be abundance from that because I'm going to have more energy and I'm going to be able to do a better job. And it's going to be. But, you know, that's just the way that we are. At least that's how I was. And I definitely work toward and I battle it on the regular. But definitely trying to look at more of an abundant approach to dentistry and not feeling like I have to, I used to, I used to laugh and you know, I tell my wife, I'd be like, I treat myself like I'm a robot. So I'm starting to think I'm a robot. And that's when the burnout came in and the shift away from that and thinking differently, meditating yoga. Now I really consider myself as a human. And when you do that, you did you it. You went from a dentist quality. to a normal person, Brett. You were a normal person before <laughs> dental school. You go to dental school. You go to dental school. You're like here, I'm here on the first day. I'm excited. I'd like to make some friends, learn about teeth, and help people. And dental school is like, we're going to make you cry a lot. And uh, yes. then it changes yes. you. And some people never change back. And I talk about this. Like I, I, uh, I uh, commend you on retransforming into a normal person. That was not an easy task, right? Um, it's it's not. And I'm, I'm still, perf- I'm still trying to perfect it. And of course. You know, the perfectionism in us all is also a big part of the problem. Um, but, um, but no, that's interesting you say that, Paul, because for me, it's like a new revolution. It's like a revelation that like, oh, my God, like I forgot I was actually just human. I thought I was like this robot. And it sounds to me like that's something you actually discovered long ago, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I try that. I kind of say, and, I, and this really isn't to brag about myself, but it's, I don't, it's just me. It's like it never, all the stresses of dental school affected me a lot and all the craziness, but my interaction with people never changed. And uh, I just almost like didn't get this. In our, in our dental nachos world, we call it TSD. That's so dentist. It's not a compliment. It's usually being very negative, reactive, and non, non-collaborative. And somehow I just didn't get that part it, to, me, to me. So I think that's um, why I love doing these things. And I was just going to say, you know, your point was great. And Rob and I do a lot of podcasts and virtual C, which I love. But we also run a lot of face-to-face events. And maybe someone's listening to this podcast 10 years from now. And I hope there is still face-to-face events. But when I kindly annoy dentists to come to a CE course, Brett, and you know this feeling, you know, can you come on Friday, you know, February 20th to the CE course? Many of them say, but I'm going to lose a day of production, right? And I say, have you ever gotten up once in your entire life on a day off from dentistry, whether it was a CE course, 
a vacation, your child's uh, kindergarten graduation, and been upset that you had taken that day off? They say no. So I said, treat your, your future self nicely, right? Sometimes this time off doesn't have to be dramatic weeks at a time. It can just be days from break from dentisting and you go see some of your colleagues, you know? So I, uh, I, I love that message. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I had an experience earlier this year where I was, I had an opportunity to go to Jamaica for a dental mission, which it's very rare because this particular dental mission is uh, part of the AAE's foundation for endodontics. And so I took a whole week and I remember when I accepted it that I really stressed. I, I just, you know, at that time I'm solo in practice. I'm like, how am I going to account for this week? And, you know, it just was that, that whole scarcity came over me. And then I sort of shifted back to say, you know what, I'm just going to trust that this is going to be such a great experience that it's going to enrich me. Maybe not, maybe it's not going to fill my pocket with money, but it's certainly going to fill my soul. And it did that. And so it's the exact example of the first thought of a dentist is I'm going to lose production. But I think there's so much more to it when you can fill yourself up because you don't realize, again, it goes back to you don't realize what you're putting out there when you're stressed out and you're burnt out and you're tired, that you're not coming off. You're not showing up the way you would want to, to be the most productive and have, have the best outcome. So it's, it's very interesting. But for some reason, well, I agree with you, Paul. It's like I remember, as you were saying, I remember walking into dental school the very first day. And I remember that everything in my world changed after that day. And not necessarily for the better in certain instances. Oh, yeah, for the weird. It changed for the weird and the negative. For I mean, I speak so, yes, so, so strongly one. about this. I had a course last <laughs> night. This was the name of it. Dental Nacho C for dentists and teams that talk really weird. All of you, <laughs> right? I mean, we just talk. What, what happened to us? We don't talk to patients like people. It's my favorite topic. Patient communication is talking to patients like people instead of inducing weird, negative fear that dental school makes us and i feel so strongly about this and i'd like to create a lot of ways to you know influence this it's just dental school is in its own little bubble but uh you know i'm, I'm totally with you i love that message a well, mindset is so important too and you know we could talk for hours about that you know and and how you perceive uh all these opportunities and what you do with it is really you know truly what you make of it but also, when you just talk about, you know, trying to work on your practice, work on your business and, and be a human being, it's really impossible to, to have that perspective when you're just making the donuts every day. You know, and it's like yeah. think of that old Dunkin Donuts commercial, which I love, you yeah. know, and I think we have to post it up on our website at some yeah. point, you know, where the guy wakes up is like time to make the donuts, time to make the donuts, you know, every morning. And, you know, it's impossible for you to, to truly work on your business and take a critical look at your life and have perspective when you're just making the donuts every day. And, and it's when you get out of the office, you meet other people and you just have time to reflect on, on what you're doing, what's important, what you can do better in your practice, in your life, in your relationships with your family, everything that those sorts of epiphanies occur you know not at you know one o'clock on a tuesday when you're you know knee deep in in the action right it's, yeah it's when you have time with yourself or you know or even you know with your routine in the morning brett i know myself that's where i will journal or meditate or or, or work out in the morning and that's where you know i decide what's going to happen that day that week that month that year and those those decisions and that that kind of reflection just doesn't happen, you know, in the course of the workday. It can't, you know, um, but it's so important to carve out that time for and have that space for that kind of, uh, you know, self-reflection uh, if you're going to, to truly be, you know, a happy, productive professional um, because it can it could totally eat you alive if you don't take a step back and do that. Well said. I, I agree 100 percent. Hey, so. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the teaching uh, that you do, which is an exciting uh, part of your of your professional uh, career, Brett. So you do in-person uh, continuing education courses, uh, and it sounds like you're in the process of rolling out some really cool uh, virtual stuff, too. So if you could uh, chat with us and tell our listeners uh, what you're up to in that space. Yeah, so, you know, the teaching's been an incredible, you know, enriching part of my career in life, and it all started by, um, you know, getting onto the faculty here at the University of Illinois and really working primarily with the residents. I would go there every week uh, for 10 years, and it was so gratifying, and one of the best parts is, is I intimately know 
all of the endodontists here in Chicago that came through the program. So it's a real family effort there. Uh, Dr. Brad Johnson leads the charge now. Dr. Chris Wankis was there for many years leading. And so it's been amazing to be a non-alumnus and be part of this family. Uh, then I got an opportunity to start to do more hands-on type courses, um, many of them sponsored by, you know, commercial entity. But to me, um, it was so important because what I've learned over the years is there's such a lack of confidence. There's such a lack of experience coming out of dental school. And because so many things can go wrong, it's a real pain point for a lot of dentists. And in the day and age where dental education is at a crisis level of expense, you know, root canal treatment can be a great way for a young dentist to, to improve the bottom line. And yet they're paralyzed by fear and anxiety because they simply don't have the training. So I've been going around for 11 years traveling the country. I've been as far as Dubai, um, really going around and trying to bring practical, you know, really true proven ways to approach root canal treatment. I call most of my courses, you know, um, you know, basically like safe and successful treatment is the idea, safety being first. And it's been amazing. I do a two-day hands-on course here in Chicago, which involves a live treatment demonstration. I've been doing that for the last five years, at least once a year. Um, but what I keep coming across is the idea that globally, there is such a thirst for knowledge. And let's be honest, it, for the same reasons, you know, Paul was saying, you know, there's a scarcity of thinking of losing a day of production. Dentists don't want to invest money and travel and give up time in the office for CE. And so I've sort of been at this point where I was thinking to myself, how can I leverage my teaching but reach as many people as possible? And to be honest with you guys, you know, like I'm telling you, the last year has been a transformative year for me. I thought about this for many, many years, but like many other things, I talked myself out of it. You know, too hard. How could I develop something like that? Seems like a lot of work. I have no time as it is. But in this new mindset and this, you know, this transformation that I've been going through, I, I actually really have been able to, and, and I did actually employ a coach. So I have an executive coach that's been helping me. And I have created an entire online platform for endodontic education. It has all of my teaching in different formats. You know, I'm teaching with lecture formats, with clinical simulations, all with stream of consciousness, you know, what to look for. This is the cue you're looking for. This position, um, video that shows through the microscope so they can actually see into the tooth, but also a broader view, so multiple camera angles. Trying to recreate someone envisioning themselves sitting in the chair working on a tooth, but having me giving them like stream of consciousness. So hopefully when they get into those scary situations or they get stuck, they have the critical thinking skills to work through it. So I've really designed this for dentists at large across the whole world. Um, I want it to be something affordable and accessible. It's been a, a real passion project. I'm just about to launch it. So by the time your, your listeners hear this, it will be up and running and active. Um, I've had an amazing uh, response from my colleagues. I have collaboration. So what it's called, it's called Access Endo Coaching, Collaboration, and Community. And so I become your coach to help you work through you know, the difficulties of endo. I'm collaborating with experts in my field, but also the best part, I think, the enriching part of this and so much part of this conversation we've had today here with the Amigos is that it has an entire personal growth and development phase to it. So my goal is, is Dennis, for all the reasons we've been talking about, are suffering in so many different ways. And because of that, their life is limited, their happiness, their joy, it's stifled. And so I want to say, hey, Let's take the biggest obstacle that most dentists have, which is root canal treatment. Let's push through the discomfort and start to gain confidence. And once you have that feeling of really lifting yourself up and out of the doldrums of endo, then let's apply that to your personal life. And I have all the tools there. So I'm hoping that this will be an amazing resource for all dentists. Um, it's designed for everyone in the world. Again, accessible as far as the price. It's really value-packed. And um, I think the return on investment, if you did just one root canal, would be like off the charts. So as you can tell, I'm really excited about it. It's like, you know, the, everyone dreams up ideas. I'm an idea guy. I've always had amazing ideas and I never did anything with most of them. And this was one that I literally somehow scratched. I tell my wife, I feel like I woke up from a dream and the website was there. 
The Wizard Wizard of Dental Oz. I like it. Uh, That's amazing, Brett. We 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 are uh, what Rob and I have done. We've we've been on the. Uh, speaking road we've done things together so i i love the concept of doing that what and i'm someone who's done c for many years and what i would share with our listeners and, and maybe will help some people getting into endo is and before this was the only option you know i ask dentists a lot of times would you go to the exact same c course twice and they'll if they say no i know they're never going to really learn what they need to because it takes a lot of repetition to to learn anything so what you can do and what i try to do is you deliver this content in a way that they can watch at any time or consume, and then maybe they'll be ready for your online, uh, your your in-person course in a year, right? Or the, in two years. And I think it's just so great, just like what we talked about, uh, taking care of yourself in different ways, you know, whether it's meditation, yoga, eating right, you have to take care of your dental self in different ways where you're consuming online content. I mean, there's a lot of limit. I mean, I've, I'm using a quote, I don't know from who, but there's just so many limitations to verbal instruction on anything. I know if you, I don't know if you have any small humans in your life, but if you're, if I'm trying to instruct my five-year-old and I just tell her something, you have to show her, she got to try it a few times. So I, I just think you're doing a real uh, awesome thing for the dental world because I, I, I was going to sign up for, I don't do any endo anymore, Brett, but before I was perfect at endo because I want to tell you a story. So I don't really need your, your training because there was this <laughs> one day on the Northeast regional boards where I did a endo on a plastic tooth on a number nine. So I'm good. I learned it all. Right. So <laughs> it, I'm good. Do you, need, do you need more than that? Cause that was the, that was the test they did made me jump over to let me do endo for the rest of my life. So that was enough. Right. So, you know, that's just absurd how we're taught and endo in dental schools is to me incredibly problematic. And I'm actually at a point where my thought process, Brett, it's hard to get so dental for Rob here is that like, they need to rehaul the whole thing and they either make it like we teach none of it or we do a much better job because currently I think they're doing a, something that's very irresponsible and that's making young human beings think they can do something and not give them the background, the reps, the knowledge on how to do it. And I just think you're, what you're creating is, is, uh, is awesome. Oh, thank you. And I agree. And I think, you know, with endo, the problem is, is just like you said, you know, the, the plastic tooth was enough to shut you down. And in many cases, all it takes is one instance and the dentist shuts down endo. But what else does that shut down? How does that shut you down as far as your ability to grow? Because what happens is you're succumbing to the discomfort. And because of that, you're going to be succumbing to other discomfort. So that's why I really want dentists to take a look at this. I think endo is a great growth point, And I'm really all about you're trying to grow myself. And a lot of what I'm doing here is outside of my comfort zone. I mean, I've never developed a website, you know, I've never promoted anything before. And so a lot of this is my own, you know, growth in, in, in forcing myself into uncomfortable situations. And my advice to people is to say, whatever you feel on the front of discomfort, man, the freedom that you feel on the other side of it is so rewarding. And so I want to give them just a little taste of that and let them carry it through to their lives. Because I'll tell you one of the biggest things that's changed in my world this past year is that my kids are different. You know, my kids are learning these lessons. I talk about mindset. We talk about meditation. And that's not something that most of us ever heard a a thing about. I didn't hear about it really until I was 42 years old. So, um, but imagine how it can affect your, your professional life, your personal life. And so this is my mission I want to bring this to the world. I want to help people save their teeth. Um, I really just want to serve. And I think that was the part of my scarcity mindset previously was like, well, you know, let me get, let me work really hard and try to accrue some wealth so then I can help people. And by, you know, reading and, and getting involved more in personal growth, I realized that that's the complete opposite. Dive into service and helping others. And the financial part and all of what you dream of, they say, is going gonna, is gonna to come to you. And I can tell you, like I said, I, I you know, don't know about the financial part yet, but I can tell you that my soul is full, and it's such a great feeling. That's really just fantastic. Yeah, I imagine too, Brett. I mean, you know, once you, when you're teaching this kind of stuff and, and lecturing and, and mentoring people in this way, you know, it really forces you to, to think about what it means to you, you know, and, uh, and, and focus and think about those things and, and, and bring them into your practice in your daily life, you know, and uh, it, it's almost like a, a, a forced, uh, a forced mechanism there to, you know, to, to kind of practice what you preach. And if what you're preaching is good, well, then, you know, you're practicing it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. And, and it's, it's very, very true. And, and same with teaching, like you guys are obviously active and, 
you're out there giving CE and you're doing this podcast, you're really trying to serve others. And all, at, all the while, you're giving yourselves the same lessons and reminders. And so um, I, I love that. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, Brett, are you, are you still doing uh, in-person uh, lecturing and hands-on uh, you know, clinical uh, teaching and seminars? Yeah, by all means. Yeah, I have a busy, busy fall. I'll be in uh, all over, really. I'll be in uh, the D.C. area this week. I'll be in Charlotte in a couple weeks. I have the Ohio Dental Association in Columbus, Ohio, beginning of October. I'm going to be in. Um, I'm going to be in Toronto twice this year, uh, giving some lectures and hands-on at the University of Toronto. Uh, so I'm really all over the place. I, I'm keeping a pretty brisk schedule, and and by no means is the online piece. Actually, I love. I just love what you said, Paul. I mean, I think you're right. It's like the more we can learn in different formats, and then if you're working on your own on the online, and then you show up to an in-person CE course man, are you going to get a whole lot more out of it? Totally. I mean, that, that was a really great point. I love that. Thanks. I hear that in my house a lot, all the time. And this is not just like, great point, Paul. No, this is what she says in my house. Listen to Rob. So she said, yeah. It's like, Rob was right again. Like, so, yeah, thanks. I'm enjoying this podcast. Let's make it. It's the, can we make this three hours? All right. Mary, Mary's not going to listen to this anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul. I know, right. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> the last thing she wants to listen to is you and I yes, talking yeah, some yeah, more. Yeah, right? yeah that's true. That's uh, no, cool. It's a very similar model to, to, what, to what you have, Paul. Yeah. You know, with, I mean, the, and I, I think actually just, you know, it's just... I love this and really could make this three hours with Brett, but you know, the dental world, much like the attorney, attorney world has different specializations, different focuses. So you can't be everything to everybody. And, you know, endodontics is just sits on its, in its own area, but Brett, it's such a key piece to everything general dentists do because it has to do with decision-making treatment planning. Like you said, maintaining teeth, removing teeth, where do implants fit in, how to make decisions. And I just think, you know, I will tell you as a, you know, before, before I had all these dentists working in the practice, I thought I was, you know, going to do endo and, you know, I was going to try it. And I went to these meetings and it's just, it's, I didn't have enough support at the end of the day. I really didn't, you know, if something went sideways in the office, I didn't really have anyone to ask. If I went to my dad, he's like, I don't know what to do. I gave up on endo 20 years ago. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, you're really just creating it, at the end of the day. And I really believe in this. So you said you're really helping patients, you're reverse injury, you're helping patients then you're helping the dentists who are helping patients, and then you're creating something that can help yourself. And that I do this try to, I try very hard to do the same thing and not to mess up that order, where it's the patients, the dentists, and their team, and then the organization providing that. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest shifts for me is that you know as and I think you know you really jogged me on dental school and and how that you know the way you spelled Sorry. it out really makes have sense. some wine but, tonight it'll go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know I genuinely never really thought that my efforts really affected the world like that I could really have an impact on the world just as one person. That's just how I felt. Maybe it was how I was raised, but now I feel very differently. And I think as you were saying, like if I can train a dentist to do a better job and feel better about themselves, then they can then help so many more people. And, and, and when I think about the globe, because I really am focused on the, the globe as a whole, and I think about some of the dentists, like when I was in Jamaica, and, and the needs that they have there for these people to save their teeth, that if we can train the trainers, you know, and get them to a position where they can do the practice, but also teach others how to do it, the ripple effects of how many people you can help is it's so infinite. And so I'm really actually focused on that right now is, you know, how can I, you know, help that 12 year old girl who's about to have all of her anteriors extracted because there's simply no other option. And is it, if it's as simple as putting myself out there to make sure that this knowledge, this, this training is accessible to everyone, then I feel like, you know, that's something I can really be proud of and, and something where I really feel like I'm making a contribution to the world. I, I love that. And I'd be happy to share this with you. I, so what you just actually articulated, I have in a slide from Dr. Dennis Tarnow, because when I show up on a Sunday in San Jose, California, sometimes dentists are like, why do you do this? You know, why do you come out here and leave your family? I'm like, they've had enough of me. I'm, I'm a quite a handful. But, you know, uh, <laughs> they he has a phenomenal like four or five sentences that just say, you know, if I can help a dentist, they can help their patients. And I can, you know, touch all these patients that I would never known. But most of all, what he says, I help the dentist feel better about themselves. And there's nothing more that I embrace and try to embrace with teaching. And I just think, you know, you articulated that very well. And I just think we need more of that in our dentisting community, because we have a lot of the opposite with the scarcity and the negativity. So I am uh, I'm in total support. 
I appreciate it. And, you know, I was talking, I have a really great colleague that I've met through my online uh, uh, interviews and things named Dr. Mehdi Rahimi. He's down in Australia. And we had this conversation. We're about the same age. Like I said, I'm about 43. So I think like right now is really the time that if I'm going to have an impact, I'm going to have it now. Another 10 years, then it's already the new generation comes in. So I feel like if I am the leader that I believe I am, and I want to set this example, and it's a very unique time because the power of social media is so incredible, especially the way it's relating to dentistry. And I don't know how involved you guys are, like, for instance, on Instagram, but there is just such a strong endodontic presence on Instagram right now. Endodontist sharing, endodontist working together and collaborating, all for this exact same mission. And so I feel really grateful to be a part of this community with them. Like I said, I announced that I was, you know, so I've been alluding in videos, I'm building this platform, you know, ho-hum, blah, blah, blah. No one understands what I'm talking about. And then really just this week, I began my launch because I'm actually launching it this Sunday. And I didn't know what the response would be. But the response has been that all these these amazing world-class endodontists on Instagram are reaching out. How can I help? What can I do? I love this mission. How can I contribute? And so I already have like 10 world-class endodontists that are going to come on and collaborate with me. So I, I it, it's important to know that I think in, when it comes to service, Everyone wants to serve, but what I've learned is that it's difficult to facilitate it. So I'm trying to be a facilitator of service. And in the same way, we have a free clinic here. The Chicago Dental Society's foundation has a clinic in, in the area here in Chicago. And I, you know, I thought, man, if I'm going to go all the way to Jamaica to serve, I really need to do something here in my hometown. And so I've been able to set up this specialist endo program in the clinic. So I had a microscope that I donated. Uh, the commercial vendors were amazing. They donated all the equipment. So I basically have a, an endodontic suite in this free clinic. And now my goal is to go out and, and get my colleagues to say, hey, you know what? I know you want to serve and I know the logistics are tough. So guess what? Just show up. I have everything you need there. It's all ready to go. All you have to do is show up and serve. And so I feel like facilitating service is maybe the part that I can really help everyone so that everyone can get the incredible benefits of how you feel when you serve others. I love that. That's exciting. Yeah. Good work. Well done, Brett. Hey, I don't so sleep much, guys. I don't sleep much. That's <laughs> like me too. I got a lot Just going on. At 5 like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not even going to, I'm going to start not going to sleep and I'm going to really outdo everybody. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm like, how, how do I do all this stuff? But you know what? It's Let's make the day longer. Amazing, yeah, amazing right. support. I mean, my wife's amazing. I have amazing support. And somehow I'm born with this hunger and energy. I don't know where it comes from. But it's, to this point, it's serving me well. I'm sure one day there'll be a day where I just, like Forrest Gump, stop running. I'm just going to have to stop and rest. But uh, I'm hoping that day is far off. <laughs> but keep on rocking, man. You're doing you're doing great work. And I'm really excited for uh, for what you're doing. And Tell, uh, tell our listeners, Brett, uh, how can they find out more about, uh, about you and, and uh, how can they find the, uh, the online uh, training that you're talking about? Oh, great. Yeah. So, so personally, you know, you can reach me and find my courses uh, at uh, www.drbrettgilbert.com. Uh, the new website is called Access Endo Coaching, Collaboration, and Community, and that's www.accessendo.org, so O-R-G. Um, and so that's going to be launched. If you're listening to this, you know, hop on, check it out. I think you'll be surprised when you find out that it's, it's really a pretty small investment for, for the type of training that you're going to get. Um, and I'm just really excited about it and really appreciate this opportunity to be with you guys. And uh, I think what you guys are doing is great. And we have to get some more specialists on here for you. But um, <laughs> at least we got it rocking and rolling with some endo today. Great. Thanks, Brett. Good stuff. Thanks, Thanks for so your much, time Brett. and awesome uh, talk. keep up the good work. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Good stuff there from Brett yeah, Gilbert. Thank, thanks, sir. I found my endo yeah, twin. Right. I appreciate it, right? Everything's right up my alley. Just got to like nachos more and get up at 7 a.m. instead of 5 a.m. We're the same person. Endo nacho. <laughs> you know, I, I love it. This is like, obviously, Paul, I mean, we have so much fun doing this podcast, but, you know, and I've known Brett for a while now. And uh, when you, we have this, this platform, this format that we can learn more about people and talk to them about other stuff. You know, all the beginning of this podcast, Brett and I have never had that conversation before, yeah. you know, and it's just it's so much fun to just drill down and learn more about people and, and what they're doing and how they're doing it. And uh, it's really for me, it's uh, it's inspirational. I totally and I, I, I um, 
you know, I'm gonna open a book, no one wants to read it, but no, I'm just joking. But I say, uh, I just appreciate people sharing their story because I just, if people do that more for dentists and people in general, they'll say, oh, I feel that way too. I feel like, oh man, even though the world thinks that I'm making X amount of dollars working four and a half days a week, I'm just so stressed inside and it doesn't feel good to me. And when people say that, I just think it makes it, normalizes it and creates a great conversation so we all can just be a little happier and better. Yeah. And it's just, just awesome that we have this platform we can do that. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And we're lucky to get the guests that we get. And I think what Brett talks about with fulfillment is really, is really uh, key. And, you know, look, taking care of yourself is, is important, you know. And it's, totally. as he said, and everybody that's listening, I think, knows that physically and mentally it's a very challenging profession and if you want to stay in the game if you want to be the uh the darren sproles and, yeah, and still exactly. uh, still be running the ball when you're when you're an old guy you have to you have to really put the put the work in and take the steps to you know put yourself in the position to still be in the game at, a, at an advanced stage you have to yeah you have to look at your career your life your career is over a long period of time and there's just going to be different phases you're not always going to feel like this when i hear older dentists say to younger dentists oh, i worked used to work six days a week i'm like first of all that was like in the 50s no one can document this and second of all you're not doing that now so when you pass those things back it might be passing back irresponsible information to these young people and it's just great when we just create a more open conversation no one has to be totally right or wrong but at least talk about these things which dentists traditionally haven't talked about at all yeah right and and we didn't ask brett this because we didn't have to i think i would consider him to be a happy dentist yeah what do you think right? i totally I, I think he's come to, he's evolved into a version of happiness though that is not championed in our training time so mm -hmm. the happiness that he's willing to pass back now or share or what you know or the latin i always say happiness is not being annoyed or where he's taken annoyances out of his dentisting life whether it's with his own schedule or being meditating and being more centered that's not the metrics we're using dental school it's how much do you work how much money do you make what you've done and then right. you know just trying to send these young people on a journey that they don't even want to go on but no one's told them any difference so at least they know that there's a brett out there uh that's doing this and you know being not so ordinary yeah and uh i just think that's awesome yeah and i think people should really pay attention to what he's doing take note i'm excited for uh his online uh, release, and I think people would you know, oh, do themselves well to, I, to check it out. I need to find out, Robin. The lawyer, we tell me you have to tell me uh, at a lunch or something. Like endo for dentist is this challenging, scary thing, but being able to be involved in it more. And I put it for somebody like you don't have to do all, you don't have to do none. He's doing just a really great favor or service to the dental community. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, and again, you can tell he's fulfilled doing it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Good stuff, Paul. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.